0: Oh, Chris, I gotta know what he's doing, does he? Waiting around. You gotta time it, y'all. You gotta time it. How are we doing? We good? Awesome. You've made it to late October. It's the week of Halloween. Congratulations. I'll be praying for y'all this week, especially those with uh, young children. Uh, My name is Marshall Peterson, and I'm uh, glad to be with you. I uh, work with our group life team over at uh, Regal, our Regal campus, but I'm pumped to be with you to talk about ghost stories today. Now, it is the week of Halloween, okay? there's a lot of debate that goes on when it comes to the candy, okay? There's good candy, there's bad candy, there's average candy, there's candy that people think is great, but it is, in fact, average. So y'all tell me, I want y'all to talk to me, tell me what favorite candy bar, which favorite? Snickers. Did somebody just, Twix, okay, I got it. I think I heard an Almond Joy in there. That would be false. Don't wave at me. Don't, don't claim that. Don't, don't claim that. Almond Joy, this is, um, guys, this is borderline B, C grade candy, okay? Um, I had a gentleman who was very offended. I can't throw that far, ma'am. I was already judged this morning, and I tried to, um, yeah, I'm not, I can't do it. I'll, never mind. Um, he told me, yeah, you should freeze Almond Joys. And I was like, why would I even have it in my house? I'm not doing that. Look, there. Somebody can get that later. Um, Another one, now this is borderline BA candy. I'm probably going to offend people, but this, this is a good candy, okay? This is good. You want this. There you go. Yes. Um, watch out for people with peanut allergies because um, they'll get on you. Um, it's good, but it's, it's not the best, okay? Uh, now, one that definitely reaches the elite echelon is, is, is Snickers, okay, guys? <laughs> Candies are good. There you go. Yes. Yes, sir. Oh, see? Look at that. Hey, no perfect people allowed. I don't need your comments after the service about how I can't throw. Um, then the ultimate, uh, this is 10 out of 10. It is, uh, it is the peanut M&M, fun size. It is good, absolutely, there you go. Now, uh, it's better than the regular M&Ms because you do get uh, your source of protein in that one. Um, so that's, where, that's why that one makes it uh, best. But here's, here's my problem with the Halloween candy, okay? The Halloween candy, uh, the Easter candy, the Christmas candy, is always very problematic for me because I'm getting older, I'm trying to watch what I eat, I'm trying to be healthy, I'm trying to exercise. This holiday just ruins all of that. Now, I know what you're saying is like, well, just don't eat it. Shut your face, okay? It's a lot more difficult than that because when my kids, they go trick-or-treating and I got three kids, so it's like three cauldrons of goodies, all right? And they, let them had a piece and then they're getting older so they know what I'm gonna do. Uh, as soon as they go to bed, I get their little buckets, and i 'm just going all through and eighty six percent of their candy is gone by the next day. I blame their mother, but they all know the truth um, i don 't have any power. It seems like i don 't have any willpower to not do that and as we 're talking about ghost stories, we 're talking about the role of the Holy Spirit and uh, the, the role that he plays in our lives and, and the power that he brings now. Before we get into this, we have to ask this question, okay? I want to I set the stage for this. We got to ask this question. Do we have power? Do we have power? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, supernatural power like we see in the movies, okay? I'm actually talking about willpower. I'm talking about the power to, to have a victorious lifestyle. Because we all have battles that we're going through right now, don't we? Everybody in this room, you are going through some sort of battle that you're fighting, whether it's Addiction, drugs, alcohol, porn, uh, relational battles, marriage battles, parenting battles, jealousy issues, work issues. You have some sort of battle that you are going through right now. Now, I want to I give you a few approaches that, that I've kind of seen. I'm sure there are more approaches, but I want to give you a few ap- approaches that, uh, that people use to fight their battles, okay? The first one is this. The first one is the positive approach, right? You're going to talk your way through this. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. Um, I know that things fall falling around, but I'm, just, I'm you just, you know, I'm, I'm okay. It's, it's, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'm a good person, right? I have good, here's what that looks like in real life, okay? This is fine. House is burning. This is okay. It's fine. It's okay, right? It's fine. Positive approach. Next is this, fake happy, right? We think um, it's it's all smoke and mirrors. If I can put on a happy face for an hour at church, people will think uh, because of my posts to the gram that my life is together, that it's all great, and it's literally, you're like, oh yeah, hey, good to see you. Oh my gosh. And then you just kind of walk off and you give that face. You know, some of us have to put on on this joker face when we come to church, right? We are forcing it. We are forcing a smile. We (laughs) are... Everything is great, right? And then as soon as we go home, we're just like, I just just have to do that. Some of us don't give a rip. We're mad at the world, and we don't care if people know it. We are going to grumble and complain. We are going to convince you that, that we are not the problem, that we are in fact the victim. We are going to get you on our side, and we're just mad, we're, we're complaining about our work. We're complaining about our marriage. We're complaining about the government. We're complaining about anything that you want. And then we get on our Facebook account and, and we're just, yeah, I'm mad. Be on my team. It's not my fault. Or another approach is that we just become numb to it. We know that there's a battle. We know there's a problem. We know there's an issue. So we just ignore it. Maybe we overwork ourselves. We don't want to go home. Or we stay home and don't want to go to work. We take extended vacations. Uh, Maybe we turn to a substance, alcohol, drugs, which is kind of the original problem to begin with. And when we look at these approaches, and maybe you have another approach that I'm not aware of, but do they actually work? And when I say that, do do they give you power to overcome the battle that you're fighting? And I would say, no, it does not. It may prolong the ultimate breakdown that's coming, but it doesn't actually give you power. Power. It's hopeless and, and it doesn't seem to be enough hours in the day for counseling or self help books or anything like that. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? So uplifting. Here's, here's what I'm talking about though. When it comes to our battles, there's a bridge of hope. There is hope here because while we can't muster up power in and of ourselves or through somebody else or, or, or through another means, we have been given an incredible resource of power to overcome not just our battles, but then thrive in a very dark world. And here's, here's what I'm talking about. Jesus came, he lived, he died, and before he ascended back into heaven, this is the last thing that he told his followers. Look what he says. He says, but you will receive, what? what's that word? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. I love when he says, this is what's going to happen when you get power. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, in the remotest parts of the world. He says, you will receive power. That's a guarantee. That's a promise. It's not a, well, if you show up this many times or, you know, if you're catching me on a good day, you know, because there's a lot going on. No, he says, you will receive power through the Holy Spirit. And so we're talking about ghost stories. And last week, if you, if you were here, Kurt Lawson was up here and he did a great job. He, he told us who the person of the Holy Spirit was. Told us who he was. And if you missed it, go to thebridge.me. It's a, it's a great message. Today we're answering a different question because last week he, he addressed who is the Holy Spirit. This week we're talking about what does the Holy Spirit do? What does the Holy Spirit do? Now, Jesus addresses this. Jesus talks... So, so much in his ministry about the person of the Holy Spirit, and this is how he describes him in John six sixty three. He says this: the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing, and the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So you see what the Spirit does. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Now. A lot of us have grown up in church hearing what we call the gospel, the good news, the story of Jesus. And you could probably quote it if you've been to church that I'm a sinner, I've disobeyed God, that I, I have a debt that I can't pay, and that Jesus was sent and he lived a perfect life. He sinned zero times. He offered himself up for sacrifice to pay for my sin. And once I put my trust and faith in him, I can go to heaven when I die. That's the gospel. But let me tell you something else. That's not the whole gospel. That's not the whole gospel. You've got part of the story. And I know some of you looking back goes, um, "That sounds like the gospel to me. Sounds pretty good. Uh, I'm a sinner. Jesus came down, died for my sins, so that when I die, I can go to heaven." That's an incredible message. If you die as soon as you accept Jesus into your life, that doesn't happen. I'm looking at people right here who I know proclaim the name of Jesus and you are still breathing, okay? So the question is, what's the rest of the story? What's the rest of the story? Because once we receive Jesus, a lot of you, you you see your next birthday. You hit your 20s, you hit your 30s. We'll stop going there, okay? You know the deal. But that's, that's not the whole message. The rest of the story is so key. And Jesus talks about in John 10, 10, look at this. He says, my purpose is to give them, talking about us, a rich and satisfying life. That he gives us life. That when we become Christ followers, we put our trust and faith in Jesus. That's just the beginning of the story. Because now, not only does he give us life, not a boring life, he gives us a rich and satisfying life. He gives us purpose. He gives us mission. He gives us Not mediocrity, he gives us glory. He gives us the ability to achieve greatness and to be a part of a big story. Now, earlier he said the spirit alone gives life. He said human effort accomplishes nothing. Now, another word for human effort could be called self-help. Now, self-help is an oxymoron. It's a bad idea. It doesn't really work. Because self doesn't help. Self can't help self. Self is not reliable. Self can offer suggestions, but it, we will ultimately be let down. And when we rely on self and only self, we're in a bit of a dilemma. And when we get to that point, we try to rely on somebody else's self who is also imperfect, who is also making mistakes, who is also in themselves a dilemma because of self that we become come to the conclusion that self is untrustworthy, that self is unreliable. You can't count on self. Self can get into trouble blindfolded in a dark room with their hands tied. Self is a problem. If self could help, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. He would have came down and given us endless supply of gift cards to Barnes & Noble so that we could get self-help books and lattes. That's not the gospel. Jesus is, did not do that. Jesus knew that we couldn't help ourselves, that our batteries are not included. We don't have the power. But he says, you know what? I've got you covered. He says, not only am I going to work in you, not only am I going to redeem you and save you and give you life, here's God plus, I'm going to make you a part of a bigger story than I'm writing. I'm going to let you be a part of what I'm doing to change the world. And so, so much of us, we work on self-help and listen, we can make all the external modifications we want, but the real life change transformation happens within. And only the Spirit can do that. And so this morning we wanna talk about what does the Spirit do? What does the Holy Spirit do? What role does the Holy Spirit play in my life? And listen, we could talk for a long time about this, but I know football games are on today. The Astros gotta take game five back to Houston in the name of Jesus, okay? <laughs> so I'm going to give you three things that we can take away from the Holy Spirit today, okay? Three things that describe the Holy Spirit. Now, Kurt was talking about last week, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples, and he's telling them, all right, look, guys, it's been real, it's been a great couple years, we've healed a lot of people, said a lot of great things, I'm going to take off. I'm going to have to go up into heaven, okay, in a brutal fashion. I'm going to die, and I'm going I'm to be out. And they're kind of like, uh, no, Jesus, we, we don't want that to happen, right? And they ar- would argue with him. But Jesus kind of follows up and he tells them, something is coming though, something that is going to get you through this, okay? So the first thing that the Holy Spirit does is that he helps me. What does the Holy Spirit do in my life? He helps me. Now, we're gonna be in John 14, so if you wanna get your Bibles out, your Bible app, or just look at the screen, I'm good with either. This is what he says when he's talking to him. Kurt talked about this last week. It says, and I will ask the Father, he's talking to his disciples, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now, let me speak to this. That word sees there means to consider. The world won't even consider Jesus. And to know him is not just intellectually know that he exists, but to actually experience the person of Jesus. It says the world cannot even, doesn't accept him because it doesn't even consider him or know him, experience him. But you, here's but, but you know him, for he lives in you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. There's a lot of promise there. There's a lot. I will, I will, he will. So that, that, that's just comforting. Because we hear all through Scripture that Jesus says, I'm with you always. I will never leave you. He says it right here. I'm not going to leave you. This is what that means, that the Holy Spirit is always with us. So if you consider yourself a Christ follower, you are not alone. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He is with you. And He helps you. So we got to ask a question. Where in my life do I need the Holy Spirit's help? Think about that. Where in my life... Do I need the Holy Spirit's help? Now, some of you immediately thought, my husband, my wife. Right. Wrong answer. That's not the right answer. Some of you might have said, my job, my work. Nope, wrong again. That's not where the Holy Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit doesn't just want to help keep us comfortable. The Holy Spirit wants to work in us. He wants to work on our spiritual maturity. He's not just working on things around us. He's working directly in us. Now, this is, this is a, great, a great reminder, a great promise, because so many of us, are, we're just very aware of our weaknesses. Some of us, it, it took a lot to just come today because of what went on last night, or this week, or 10 years ago. And we just think, I can't come to God." I'm too weak. Here's the great thing about it. God uses weak people all the time. There's a guy named Paul. He wrote a lot of the books in the New Testament. And he speaks to this very issue. Now, something you need to know about Paul, he used to run around killing people who followed Jesus. He would hunt them down. After Jesus died, this movement started called The Way. Paul would run after them, arrest them, throw them in jail, kill them, separate families. He was just, he was a bad mamma jamma, Okay. And he was feared amongst Christians. Well, guess what? He meets Jesus, changes his life, changes his name. His name used to be Saul, now he's Paul. And he is changing the world. He is preaching the gospel. He is starting churches. This church is probably a domino effect because of Paul's ministry thousands of years ago. And he's rocking it. But here's the thing. Paul still had ups and downs. Like we talked about earlier, when he gave his life to Jesus, his life did not end. He didn't go into heaven. He lived years after that. And he still struggled. In fact, this passage that we're about to look at, he's in the middle of just, God, take this away from me. God, help me in this moment. Help me. And he says, God answered in a different way than he thought. Y'all look what happens. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says this, each time, he's talking about Jesus, talking to him. He said, my grace is all you need. My power works, look at this, my power works best. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. Listen, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You see what he says? The power of the Holy Spirit, we want it at its best. Where does it work at its best? In our weaknesses. And how frustrated do we get in our weaknesses, don't we? We try and we try and we try to fix ourselves, to to find a way to overcome certain things. And what God is saying, he's like, give that to me. I'll take that. I I will work on that. I can help you. I'm the helper. I can help you get through that. The person who is closest to God is the person who is the most dependent on God. It's not the person who thinks they have all the answers. It's the person who says, I'm helpless. I can't do that. And the Holy Spirit's like, I got you. That's what I do. I help. I restore. I heal. I move forward. So he says, man, just give that to me. Because again, remember what it said. Who gives life alone? The Spirit. What is human effort? Self help? It accomplishes nothing. He says, Give that to me. Give your weakness to me. Don't hide it. I see it anyways. I'm God. Hello. So let me work on you. Let's get through this. He helps me. Here's the second thing He counsels me. He helps me and He counsels me. Look at John 14, 25. This is later in the same chapter. Jesus is talking to him. He says, I have told you these things while I'm still with you. But the helper who we just talked about, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, look what he does. He will teach you all things and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. He's going to teach us all things. He's going to help us remember all the things that he's told us. Did you, did you know that God is always trying to communicate with you? Did you know that he's always wanting to talk to you? That he always wants you to hear his voice? I think sometimes we, we might get this idea of God, whether it's because of our church experience or something we heard from somebody, that God only talks to the super spiritual giants, like the, 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 the legit saints of the world. And we think, well, again, uh, I was doing some stuff last night. I don't think God really wants to look at me right now. Okay, when Bregman hit that Grand Slam, I said some things, and I meant it, but I, it was bad, okay? We think that God like, is like, no, you get a 30-minute timeout from communication with me. No, that's not it. I have three kids, and I don't just pick my favorite and talk to that one. That's messed up. That's bad parenting. I talk to all my kids because I love them. How much more would a heavenly father love all of his children? He is always wanting to talk to you. He never closes you off. He never, no, he never does that. He's always, come on, let's talk. And I know so many times we're, we're trying to figure out what God is telling us. And I mean, think about it. He wants to counsel us and you have decisions in your life that you need counsel in right now. You may have to make a decision today or in the next couple days or the next few weeks. And you have no idea what to do. God can counsel you, and, and I know when we have decisions, we think, well, man, I need a, I need a sign. I need, man, maybe God will show it to me, like write it in the clouds, or maybe it's some sort of billboard, like I need, I need some sort of sign. If only he would just write it down clearly so that I can see it. If only he would just write it down where I can actually read it in black and white. Something that just tells me some wisdom or... <laughs> that's right, we have the Bible. I didn't know if y'all knew what that was, okay? We have this, this book called the, the Word of God. Why? Because it came out of God's mouth. Oh, he wrote it over thousands of years, used 40 guys to write it down. This book tells us about the character of God, tells us about what God values, tells us about who God is. It speaks truth in our lives. We don't have to look for signs. It's written right here. And if we commit our lives to reading the Word of God, we are going to see God and hear God in a much clearer way. We will be actually able to hear His counsel. And remember what it said. He's going to teach you all things. It's not like I'm just saying, here you go. That's like handing me a calculus book. Not going to do it. The Holy Spirit helps you The Holy Spirit is going to guide you as you read the Word of God. And afterwards, He's going to remind you of those truths. Unfortunately, not all of us are very familiar with the Bible. But I'm up here telling you, stressing to you, that this Word speaks truth. And as much that is going on in our minds, in our brains, with the thousands of decisions that we have to make daily, we need truth truth in our minds, and in our life more now than ever. So I would tell you that I think it is critical that we learn the discipline of memorizing Scripture. Memorizing books, or memorizing verses in the Bible. Verses that can speak truth to you. Now, I know immediately when I said that, y'all were like, "Mm, not doing it. I can't remember, I can't memorize things very well. I'm gonna push back just a little bit. I think that you can memorize things very well. Now I wanna conduct a little experiment up here. Don't tell Jeffrey, he's our worship leader. He usually sings on stage, but I'm about to sing on stage. <laughs> Once again, no perfect people allowed. Leave your comments in the room. I don't wanna hear it out there, okay? But I want you to sing with me. Here's what I wanna do. I'm gonna sing a lyric of a song and I want you to finish it, okay? I haven't, I haven't given anybody a heads up. There's nothing, not gonna be anything on the screen but my ugly mug up there, okay? I'm going to sing a a lyric, and I want you to finish it, okay? So let's make sure everybody's involved. Just repeat after me. La, 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 la. Now, if you didn't do it, do it, all right? I'm going to sing a lyric, and I want you to sing it back. Are you ready? Here it comes. You ready for this? Don't stop. Yeah, see? My girl knows. Congratulations. You have the gift of memory. I tell my wife all the time, I wish I could memorize Scripture like I memorize movie lines. Like, I I know what that movie line is. Why can't I apply that more in the Word of God? Because listen, it is critical in our lives, y'all. It is so crucial that we put this on our hearts and our minds. Because aren't there so many lies that come our way? Whether they're about us, talking about how we don't have value talking about where where we don't have purpose, we don't have mission, maybe the lies about God that you've heard all your life that God is this grumpy old grandpa type person who wants nothing to do with you but just make sure that you follow rules. This would speak of a God of love, a God of acceptance, a God of forgiveness, a God that loved you so much that he gave his only son, a God that would see you have a life that prospers, that has success, a life full of joy, It is so critical that we learn the counsel of God, that we hear the counsel of God. And a big part of that is by reading Scripture. And here's the best part about it. There's a promise that goes along with that. In the very next verse in 1427, this is what he says. I am leaving you. Remember, he's still talking to his disciples. I'm leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart and the peace i give is a gift the world cannot give so don't be troubled or afraid isn't peace of mind such a great gift that no matter what's going on in your life no matter what you're struggling with what you're facing that you say you know what god is god's got a purpose god's got a direction God is going to give me that peace. And another part in Scripture, he says, the peace of God can't be explained. It's almost like, how are you so calm right now? God's got something going on. It just doesn't make sense. The world cannot offer us that. It tries, doesn't it? It tries to offer us peace, whether it's through a substance, whether it's through entertainment, name it. But the peace of God surpasses all of that. And it starts By hearing his counsel, and a lot of what we need is found in the book of God, the word of God, the Bible. He helps me, he counsels me. Third thing, the Holy Spirit plays in our life, is that he guides me. He guides me. He helps me, he counsels me, and he guides me. Praise the Lord on that, because there's so many times where I'm in a fork in the road and it seems like there's 18 forks in the road and I have no idea where to go but the Holy Spirit plays a big part in that. Look what Jesus says in sixteen twelve. He says, there's so much more that I wanna tell you, but you can't bear it now. Now here's, here's the dilemma we find the disciples in, because a couple chapters earlier, Jesus just told them, y'all, it's been real, I gotta go. And they're like, uh, no, and then he's like, you know what, we, I've taught you so much, I've given you so many lessons, and you can read about them in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he says, there's so much more, but you ca- I can't tell you all because you can't even handle it. And oh, by the way, I got to go. I mean, think about the disciples in that moment. What? what? That's like saying, I've got a surprise for you later, you know. That's kind of like us. I mean, we can relate to that. How many times do we just think, I wish Jesus was right here with me. I wish I had physical Jesus with me. Because I've got all these decisions. Jesus, please appear to me. I need you right here. I wish I could have lived back in biblical times. Because, man, those guys had Jesus in the flesh. If I had Jesus in the flesh, I wouldn't be such an idiot. We think that. But look, Jesus Jesus speaks to that. Because he's about to leave. And look what he says. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Jesus says, you know what? It's awesome that I'm here with you. I'm loving this. But something much better for you, for the world, is about to come. And you know what? The Spirit is going to guide you into all truth. As we wrestle with what the will of God is. I think so many times we we just feel like, all right, I've got to sit down in a quiet room and figure this thing out. All right, so I'm going to close my eyes really tight might even put on some, you know, Inya or something. Is she even still making music? Um, and I'm gonna figure out the will of God. And so we'll get here and we'll think, man, if I can just sit here for hours, the will, what's the will of God? Will, Bill, Bill, did, did I pay that bill? Bill, Will, no, Will, Will, Will the Astros win game five today? That's what I need to be asking. Uh, no, 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 Will of God, Will. Why do the Cowboys always mess with me? Are they good? Are they bad? Maybe I should be a Texans fan. No, that, that is definitely not the will of God. All right. Um, and why is, why is sand called sand? Is it because it's between the sea and the land or what? We do that, don't we? We get alone and we're thinking, man, I'm going to talk to the Lord. And next thing we know, we're, we're just trying to figure out, you know, is Garrett Cole going to win tonight, Right. Yeah, none of y'all are gonna be able to pray today. I get it, it's okay. We're still gonna talk about it. But we do that. And we think that the only only way that we can get with God is we, we have to figure it out. And listen, I'm all for getting along with God. I think it's an incredible discipline. But you don't have to figure out the will of God. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And the key to figuring out the will of God is moment by moment surrender to the Holy Spirit. That we are constantly saying I need you. I have, to, I have to embrace this. I have to learn what this says. I have to learn about the character of God. I have to learn about the will of God in the word of God. And I'm surrendering to you because again, I'm helpless. I, I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. You get, gr- the greater the intimacy you get with God, the clearer his voice becomes. And listen, it is awkward at first. Any relationship is couples in the room. Think about when you first started dating. It was awkward, okay? Your guys were not as cool as we think, and ladies, y'all are as complicated as, as, as you know, advertised. It's, we, we don't get it. And so we, we come, and we're thinking, oh, man, did she like me? Um, did I just make her laugh, or is she offended? I don't, you know, and so we spend time and moment after moment getting to know one another, and look at you now. You're raising little humans, some of us are trying, you know. But it's, it's easier. You have greater intimacy. Why? Because you spend time together. You talk with each other. You don't hide anything from each other. You are talking about it. God wants to guide us. He wants to counsel us. He wants to help us. And all he's asking is that we moment by moment surrender to him. And just say, you know what? I can't figure this out, God. I, I need your guidance in this way. And listen, we're Americans. It's tough for us. We're Americans. We think my way is the best way. My, you know, and and it's even worse because we're Texans. We definitely think our way is the best way. Yeah, (laughs) always get an amen when we talk about Texas. But we do that. But look what God's look what David says about God in Psalm thirty two. He says this. Says the Lord says I will guide you along what pathway, the best. The best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Not only am I going to give you the best path for your life, I'm going to watch over you to make sure that you're heading in that direction. Doesn't that just sound like an easier way to live? Doesn't that just sound like a more peaceful way to live? That we're not trying to figure this out and rack our brains, but we're making decisions based on God's path for our life, based because. We're, we're getting to know him and we're talking to him and we're coming to him for everything and we're, we're learning the will of God by, from the word of God. And so many times we think we, gotta, we, we, we need some sort of step-by-step step manual or we need a step process, like a five-step way to figure out better decisions for your life. Or we just, we, we, we focus on other things to carry us when the main thing we need to carry us is the Holy Spirit. That is the main thing that we have to rely on because we can, we can brag on other things that we have. Look what David says in uh, Psalm 20. Some nations boast of their chariots and horses. Okay, this is in context, right? He's not into that. This is biblical times writing. Like, well, I, you know, he's like, some people boast on their chariots. Like, y'all need to see my, it just got out the shop. It is awesome. My chariot and my horse can run with the best of them. If we were to translate this to 2019, have y'all seen the new iPhone? It's got 14 cameras on the back. iPhone, iPhone 74 XLV. Yeah, don't even know what that means, but it's cool, because look how pretty, you know? Or look at my car, man. My car is going to give me places. Yes, yeah, what cars do, okay, we get that. Or man, you, did you see the job that I just got? And we boast about our chariots and our horses, our material things, our, our accomplishments, and we think that that's going to carry us. Look how he finishes this verse. But we boast in the name of the Lord, our God. He says, but we boast in the name of the Lord, our God. Because those things are ultimately going to fall. Chariots fall. I mean, we don't even use chariots anymore. Horses, I mean, they're here, but we have cars. They They, they fall. So why boast in things that are ultimately going to fall away? He says, man, we boast in the name of the Lord. He will guide us. He will carry us. He will show us the best pathway. So the Holy Spirit, He helps us, He counsels us, and He guides us. So what are we supposed to do with that now? Because the Holy Spirit can be a tricky, a tricky topic. Whether you, this is your first time in church, whether you've been here a couple of times, or you've been in church your whole life, it's difficult to take the idea of the Holy Spirit into our Monday. It's fun to talk about here, and maybe we learn a couple things, but tomorrow is coming. Those decisions are still looming, and we have to figure out how are we going to live the best life that we can on what God has laid out for us. So what are we going to do? I want to give you three things to help apply what we're learning today, to help Look at the Holy Spirit as a power source and not a confusing topic, but a source that we rely and depend on. Okay, the first one is this, keys to live with the Holy Spirit. First one is this, belief. That seems simple, doesn't it? Like, duh, right? That's why I said it, just to remind you. Belief. Look what David says in Psalm 20, verse 6. He says, now I know that the Lord rescues his anointed king. He will answer him from his holy heaven and rescue him by his great power. I know that the Lord rescues his anointed. Did you know when you put your faith in Christ, you become anointed? That you become a child of the king of kings, which means you are royalty. That all the other lies that come that will try to to devalue you or to degrade you, or to say that you're something that you're not, don't you ever think that you are anything less than an anointed child of God, that God rescues, that God takes with him. Why? Because you are his anointed. When we believe that, when we put our belief in that, you better believe every moment of every day you are relying and trusting in the Holy Spirit. Because you know, you know your DNA now. You know where you're coming from. You know that if I'm anointed by God, he's going to lead me. He's going to guide me. Belief. Don't think that you are anything less than anointed. The second one is this. Determination. Living with the Holy Spirit, it does require some determination. Look what he says in verse 8. He says, those nations will fall down and collapse. How many times do we feel like we fall down and collapse? And our lives just seems to be falling apart. And we just feel like, I I don't know what to do. Look what he says, but we will rise up and stand firm. Listen, a life where you have faith in Jesus and you have the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't protect you from the world. Ups and downs still happen, we still make mistakes. Tragedy strikes our homes, sickness invades our lives. Relationships are broken, we, it, it just, it's life, it happens. But here's, here's the difference, is that we have the power of the Holy Spirit. And a couple examples that, that I know, I have a, a couple family members who are, who are fighting aggressive cancer right now. I have an uncle who lives in Palm Coast, he, he has stage four cancer. And um, I call him before his, his chemo treatments, he's got these very aggressive chemo treatments and, and just to encourage him and pray for him. And every time I talk to the man, I'm trying to encourage him, but I leave feeling encouraged because the message that he's giving me, he's like, Marshall, I'm in a win win situation here because I'm either going to be praising God for healing me or I'm going to be praising God to his face. That's powerful. That's a joy that you cannot describe. That's a peace that you cannot get from anything that the world has to offer. My mother in law, she's here today, she's going through cancer. She's had her ups and downs, but every time we talk, she just says, I'm God's. God's got me. That's unexplainable. You can't explain things like that. We should be, you know, just in defeat and sad, but they have something different. They have this determination from the Holy Spirit that even though we're being, that we're in pain, we are being shaped and molded by God preparing us for eternity. Belief, determination, and the third is this, sacrifice. You know, I think we all have things that that we don't want to give up, things that um, we're just, we're comfortable with. And we think that, you know, maybe it was the way that we were raised, thinking about God, that he's just just disciplinarian who doesn't want us to have any fun. And we're like, well, I I don't want to give that up. This is my lifestyle, I'm comfortable. I don't, don't touch that. But if we take a step back, and count the cost of what we don't want to let go. And sometimes it's, it's, it's our time. What if, what if we look at the cost of that? Of saying, well, maybe I could take some time and serve on a Sunday morning. We've got so many volunteers who are sugaring your kids up right now as we speak. And they aren't even getting paid. Don't tell them until later. Okay? Or maybe it's giving up a night of the week to, to be a part of a small group that you're, you're coming together with a group of, of believers and, and y'all are figuring out what this Holy Spirit is. You're fi- figuring out the character of God. You are learning the word of God together. Or maybe it's generosity. We all like to be comfortable in our finances and it's difficult to sacrifice some of those things. But if we count the cost and we look at maybe, all right, my Sunday nights, I'm watching The Bachelor or a sitcom or football. I'm not giving that up. Okay, well, let's fast forward a year. What does that lifestyle really look like? That's mediocrity. Where God would have you sacrifice just a couple small things, and he will bring you into glory. He will bring you into mission, into purpose, into relationships that can be healed. Are we willing to count the cost of what we're unwilling to sacrifice in our lives? Because look what Psalm 20, verse 3 says. It says, may he remember all your gifts and look favorably on your burnt offerings. Now, we don't have burnt offerings, but God honors things that we lay down that might make us comfortable so that we can serve him. So belief, determination, sacrifice. We take this into our Mondays. I'm going to make a guarantee for you that God is going to reveal himself to you that you are going to feel the Holy Spirit, that your life is going to feel different, it's going to look different, because you will be different. Relationships that you never thought could be healed are now reconciled. Job opportunities that you thought you lost are now something that you didn't even imagine, and it is so much better. A peace of mind, no matter what is going on in our lives. Is a gift. God describes it as a gift. So the band's going to come out and and they're going to sing a song. And man, I encourage you to look at the words. If you want to stand and sing when they come out, man, that's absolutely. Man, but just let let it speak to you for a second as we take our Sunday into our Monday. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you.